Good morning, guys. Good afternoon. This is Brian, your host from Immortal Self. Feeling a little depressed. I'm missing my dog a lot. She ran away and I put up flyers, but no one's called, so I don't think she is getting called. So uh, today's our daily bread, and uh, I also did Nephi 19. I'll probably read a little bit of 666, and I want to remember to do a tarot card, because that does really help. Guiding children to God. Continue in what you have learned. How far infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, 2 Timothy 3, 14-15. Now it's spoken atheist believe, believes it's immoral for parents to teach their children religion as though it were actually true. He even claims that parents who pass along their faith to their children are committing child abuse. Though these views are extreme, I do hear from parents who are hesitant to boldly encourage their children towards faith. While most of us readily hope to influence our children with our view of politics or nutrition or sports, for some reason, some of us treat our convictions about God differently. In contrast, Paul wrote of how Timothy had been taught from embassy, the Holy Scriptures, which were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Timothy didn't arrive at faith as an adult through the power of his own unaided reason. Rather, his mother nurtured his heart towards God, and he continued in what he had learned. If God is life, the source of true wisdom, then it's vital for us to tenderly cultivate a love for God in our families. There are many belief systems that are influencing our, te- our children. TV shows and movies, music, teachers, friends, media, each of these carry assumptions, either obvious or under the radar, about faith that exert real influence. May we choose not to be silent. The beauty and grace we've experienced compels us to guide our children toward God. Reflect on the myriad influences and messages children, or all of us, receive in a given day. How do these forces shape you and those you love? Dear Father, thank you for the joy and privilege to gracefully nurture children's hearts towards you. I don't have anything to say about that. Good. Child can learn on his own eventually. It's a good foundation. Jesus built the house on the rock, right? The Daily Stoic. Today is January 26th, Sunday. The greater the difficulty, the more glory in surmounting it. Skillful pilots gain their reputation from storms and tempests. God won't give you a challenge you can't do. Right? And sad guru. Sadhi guru. Let us all strive to lift our beloved republic beyond distinctions of caste, creed, and race. Or religion. Let us create a Bharat all of us all be proud of. A Bharat should be in our breath. All right. So all can come together and can do a good community goal. Um, and then we got the Esperanto word of the day, which is coming right up. Explodey, to explode. This is an international language if you haven't heard meant for world peace. 
Li Novi Inventajo Explodus Post Ner Kelkai Minetoi. His new invoted exploded within minutes. Yeah. There's a um, little post that my friend Burke said, and it's not his words. It's just uh, uh, probably from Christopher. Uh, over time, throughout the history of the game, as mortals began to disagree with each other, and the parents didn't want their children learning something that they didn't agree with, the people of the earth separated and created cultures and languages according to their differing opinions. Each group had a lot of children, and the kids learned what their parents wanted them to learn. This is how prejudice, bias, judgment, and hate began to spread throughout the earth, resulting in the nations and kingdoms of the world, completely contrary to the enticements of the advanced mind. Today's tarot card is the Wheel of Fortune. When pulling the Wheel of Fortune, it's important to identify what is at the hub of your life. Know what keeps you focused. Be clear about your top priorities. Why? Because the Wheel of Fortune represents unpredictable and sometimes turbulent events happening in your life. Fortune can be cruel or kind. In either case, it's vital to have a fixed center of gravity while the world spins around you. No matter what fate throws your way, you must not let it distract you from your core values. It means a lot to me. My dog ran away, like I said earlier. And it's bad fortune. I had to get up and continue my social media work here on the podcast because can't find her. Don't know what to do. When contemplating the meaning of Will of Fortune, ask yourself, do I feel lucky? Why? Is it possible to change my luck and fortune? Yeah, I could be a crazy person. <laughs> Go crazy about putting flyers up. I don't even know how to get flyers right now. How do I handle change? Do I... I put flyers up. I need to put a lot more up. Do I have backup? Do I have a backup or contingency plan? Just live without her. What are the consequences of my thoughts and actions? If unpredictability makes you nervous, try developing a sense of humor and going with the flow. Life is meant to be enjoyed. Even the downturns can offer beauty and opportunity. If you thrive on change, be sure you have a sound center of gravity. Don't allow the wild revolutions of life to shake you off balance. Core meaning. The Wheel of Fortune signals a change in fortune, good or bad, and it often comes in unpredictable ways. The Wheel of Fortune is also symbolic of consequence. What goes up must come down. Love. (coughs) Overly stimulated and overly distracted, this card indicates a dizzying array of activity in your love life. You may also feel as though love is taking you for a ride. Gambling. Money. 
gambling and money and games of chance might offer you a lucky break in your finances. Just know that you can't bank on luck all the time. Career, you are dealing with an unstable work environment. You may be tempted to take a shot at a different position to avoid discomfort or insecurity. Wait out the fear. Stability will return. Family. Does your family work for a common goal? If so, then you need to not worry about life throwing your family off kilter. If not, then you may experience a shaky foundation. Changes such as relocations or new additions to the family may be nigh. So, toss-eater-return return world here. Okay, well, second Nephi, or first Nephi, chapter 19 is a rather short one, and um, let me pull it up right here, and then I'll, I'll read the little silhouette that they have in the beginning, and then I'll take my um, notes on it. Um, on, in second Nephi, on first Nephi, Chapter 19, Nephi makes plates of ore and records the history of his people. The God of Israel will come 600 years from the time Lehi left Jer Jerusalem. Nephi tells of his sufferings and crucifixion. The Jews will be despised and scattered until the latter days when they will return unto the Lord. So in the beginning, he makes plates of ore. God commands him to make two get plates of ore on one plate you write the record of the key of of just everyday stuff that needs to be recorded and on the second record you're only allowed to write the sacred things nephi says that he's given um uh uh knowledge that in 600 years jesus will come and then I have a note here to read 18, verse 18, which I'm pulling up. And I, Nephi, have written these things unto my people, that perhaps I might persuade them that they would remember the Lord their Redeemer. We are, Mormons are Christian. They definitely do believe in, in Jesus. They just want to know more about him. And um, in verse 23, it says, he read great and many things from the plates of brass to his uh, brothers and sisters, and it was all good. So I just wanted to read a little bit about out of 666 Revelations Unfolded by Christopher. He was talking about uh, children um, and how... Oh, what were we talking? It was about uh, goals and how our um, human humans want to experience happiness, and being taught by our parents is what we're guided down to what happiness is, and that could be a mistake. So it goes off with where I left off. Her balance in life becomes dependent on her ability to reach the desired end of her preconceptions. She competes with thousands of her peers who also imagine themselves as the next great actress, model, musician, businesswoman, or president, each living her life hoping to experience the end result of fulfilling her dream. For the majority of little girls, it will always be just a dream. 
Their lives will be spent in misery and stress as they attempt to realize a persistent but virtually hopeless illusion. These dreams are based on an image formed in their minds when they first entered a world shared by billions of others with the same quest, attempting to find out who and what they are as individuals. These young women are tragically convinced that they do not fit in properly, nor do they fulfill the purpose of their existence and find happiness, unless their preconceived image becomes reality. The image takes precedence over the natural laws that have been violated by the corruption of man. The dragon and the beast give life to this image, causing all upon the earth to worship and desire it above all else. A hope of a life of happiness has become dependent upon this image. Those who fail to live up to its expectations and standards lose this life. In essence, they are killed. Those who are relentlessly pursue and worship this image have no rest day or night. Well has it been said of those placed above others as successful, rich, and living the dream. It is not in what is real, but it all has to do with the image. Section 5. The Mark As humans attempt to exert themselves in discovering self-worth, they experience feelings, then develop attitudes, and then make choices of action. These actions, gestures, and other outward signs are how they define themselves as individuals in comparison to others. Likewise, humans define each other based on their own feelings and attitudes, whether or not the definition lends to a positive or negative impression. The overwhelming evidence of who a person is or what one has become remains long after he or she no longer exists among those who are affected by his or her existence. When a standard of human prominence or excellence is conceived or envisioned and accepted by a group of individuals, all others are measured by this standard. The group with the greatest physical strength and power sets the standard by which it expects all others to abide. If others do not live up to this level of quality, accepted as the norm, they are burdened as substandard and perceived as a threat to the view of the strongest. The strongest group is not necessarily the lord largest or majority. It is merely the one that has the means of force available to subjugate all others to its standard. Humans create and raise flags as symbols for their standards and by means of war protect the flag upon which their standard is based. Judicial systems of law are created by protecting the level of human behavior expected when one lives under the auspices of these flags and the governments that protect them. Force is used to take away the free will of the individual who lives contrary or substandard to the measure set by those who have the physical means to take away life or liberty. These systems of law generally do more to protect the image of the established measure than they do to protect the citizens' individual rights to become who and what they desire to become by use of their own free choice. When this is the precedent and purpose of law, and these laws are enforced by the threats of loss or life or liberty, the natural human is in a constant state of rebellion. This is because it is predisposed to set itself apart from others as an individual. When this standard is forced upon them, humans are thrown out of balance, experiencing 
unhappiness because they do not feel their self-worth is validated by those attempting to force them to become someone or something they are not. When a standard has been set, a person must both support the standard and conform personal desires, attitudes, feelings, and gestures to the standard or mark set, or else be known as a nonconformist or a criminal outside the law. People are either known or remembered for how well they conform to the accepted standards or for rebelling against them. Therefore, by our actions, gestures, and outward signs, we fulfill the need to be valued as an individual by leaving our mark upon the society in which we live. Yet when a human is not being true to the self, as it is its natural tendency, a lasting happiness can never be achieved. Humans experience temporary satisfaction until they realize they are no longer individuals, but only a part of the whole. If one cannot gain a sense of self-worth by conforming to the laws of the whole and the accepted standard upon which they are predicated, then, then the natural tendency, then the natural tendency is to develop this self-recognition and worth by becoming an outlaw or a revolutionist determined to promote change, or set a different standard. If the revolutionary movement develops strength and becomes physically stronger than the group that set the old standard, then the former flag is thrown down and another is raised in its place, setting a new standard to be enforced. Most people would rather conform than rebel. Behaving acceptably fulfills a human desire to be valued as worthy, based on compliance with the set standard. When there exists no hope for a revolutionary force or of substantial strength to overflow the powers that be, most will relegate and surrender in agreement with the old adage, if you can't beat them, join them. This submission may promise security and liberty, but it does not guarantee peace and happiness. Temporary personal satisfaction occurs when a set goal is reached, but when attainment leads to a higher standard being set because someone has already reached and surpassed the original goal, complacency becomes the norm, and personal fulfillment the illusion. Unless one sees the self as an individual of value, he or she will constantly crave to assert the self as acceptable by set standards or will desire to surpass these norms. At some point in human history, people were convinced that education was the appropriate standard. Obtaining some form of a distinguishing outward gesture allows a person to feel up to par with their set expectation of being educated. Degrees, titles, and honors were developed as outward symbols of conformity. Ironically, these who set the standard for education are the same ones who benefit from it. Professors do not disseminate education for free. Therefore, to leave their personal mark and set themselves apart from the rest of humanity, they convince others that their knowledge is first worth knowing and second worth another's time and money to find out about it. These are similar to the thugs, who did not like to work in the fields doing menial labor that produced the basic needs for human survival. Instead of finding glittering gold in a stream to produce captivating pieces of jewelry, they invented the sparkle of an academic, academic degree, which, then, which they then used to convince others of their 
self-worth and assert their individuality. Originally, farmers saw no benefit from sending their children to school when there were crops to harvest. <coughs> However, seeing the leisurely life an educated professor enjoyed, they hoped their children would not have to work as hard as they did to survive and live up to the standards set by society. Hardworking parents sacrificed for their children and want them to conform to society in ways they cannot, and thus vicariously affecting their own individuality and self-worth by the mark left on society by their children. It was not long before farmers saw their children as valuable assets to the future of the human race, and more importantly, their own self-worth. Therefore, they became convinced that their children were in need of education. But if their children received this education, how would they continue to grow and harvest their crops? This dilemma was solved by finding other creatures who did not fit the standards set for their own children. Their darkened skin naturally classified them as substandard. In their natural state, these substandard creatures lived a lower quality of life with few organized and mandated laws. In comparison, their tribes were certainly uncivilized into those cultures established by the more civilized wise ones. According to the farmer, these did not live like a normal human being. Then, they were not considered human, but were viewed as animals that could be domesticated and harnessed as beasts of burden. To leave his mark on the world, a rich farmer or merchant, for example, recognized himself as wealthy or successfully based on the amount of money or product he produced. His self-worth is then determined by the comparison made to other farmers and merchants of like trades who share the same personal goals. If he can convince others, as in the story of Ugg and Thug, that his products and services are beneficial to the whole, then he has made himself valuable and has set a mark for which others aim to reach or exceed. If he is powerful because his club is bigger than another's or his finger sits on the button that can launch a missile to take away life, he is in a position to protect this standard from any who disagree. At another time in history, a few rich farmers and merchants lived under a crown that set a royal standard expected of all citizens protected under the reigning king's criteria. They decided that in order to establish their self-worth and leave their mark upon society, they had to individually propose more abundantly and possess more than another. Their standard was just above the standard of their neighbor. Since each had the same goal, competition began to change the accepted measure until it became an unreachable illusion based on the desire of each to own the land next to his. To maintain his own standard, the king demanded by royal decree the payment of taxes on all that was produced by the rich merchants. The monarchical justification for a tax came from the expense of protecting the sovereignty of the set standard. Yet, in his attempt to leave his own mark written in the annals of human history, the king's standard threatened, to, threatened the mark desired to be left by the rulers of some isolated colonial states. These rich colonial kings set their own standard under a new flag, which they presented to the world as the quintessential standard of freedom. 
At the time of this revolution, the wealthy colonists enjoyed most of the freedoms included in their declaratory and independent standard, except for one. They had to pay taxes to the king. The new kings, some refer to them as founding fathers, <coughs> decided it would be more advantageous for them to have the people pay taxes to support their standard of living. Their standard included the ownership of land, slaves, those creatures who did not fit their standard, the payment of $300 each to avoid conscription for them and their children, and the exclusion of women and anyone else who didn't fit their measure in the right to vote for these standards. With bravado and patriotic rhetoric, these new kings, these wealthy farmers and merchants, have left their mark upon a world that has set them up individually and apart from others as some of the most courageous and intelligent wise ones the world has ever known. This mark has influenced a work ethic and a level of excellence that is written upon the hands of all those who indulge in its pursuits. The mark has now become the primary thoughts and desires in the foreheads of their slaves, slaves who do not consider, consider themselves as rich, as such, this is because their new kings have convinced them that they are not forced to labor, therefore they are not slaves, yet in reality they are forced to labor in order to survive. With intelligent manipulation, these pseudo-slaves have become, have been convinced by their masters that they too can leave their own mark upon the world by working hard in the various fields so that one day they can be crowned a king too. However, as these slaves toil and labor for these kings, hope, hoping to leave their own mark, one day they begin to see that the closer they get to arriving to this majestic standard, the further away it appears. This is because the king's level must be continuously set a little higher than the rest. Humans desire to be acknowledged and valued for who they are and what they do. The mark that is left by human in pursuit of its individuality and self-worth is the name by which one person will be distinguished from all others in mortality and remembered after death. The vast extent and importance of the mark is substantiated by the works of the hands and the thoughts and the foreheads of each individual. All have received this mark and are enticed to pursue a standard of excellence set by the illusion of human achievement. No one is immune from the innate desire to be of value and leaves some symbol of a life lived with purpose and meaning, whether that life is lived according to the standard set by others or by the individual. Humans are deceived by the miracles and the image presented by the beast, who receives its power from the dragon which is supported by the corruption of man. Prominent in the right hand or upon the forehead of every free-willed wise one is the essence of the individual, the mark of the beast. Yeah, he was talking about slave wages. Doing a job just to do a job just so you can afford your stuff. And then having stuff just to pay for it. White picket fence. American dream. You slave to the American dream.
So today, the big news, Kobe and his daughter, 13-year-old daughter, Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter died, and it was flashing everywhere, and everyone's crying. So I thought I'd read what Kobe Bryant has on Wikipedia right now. Kobe Bean Bryant, August 23rd, 1978 to January 26th, 2020. This says that it's being, article is being heavily edited because the subject recently died. Yeah, just now. He was an American professional base basketball player. He played his entire 20-year career in the National Basketball Association with the Los Angeles Lakers. He entered the NBA directly from high school and won five NBA championships. Bryant was an 18-time All-Star, 15-time member of the All-NBA team, 12-time member of the All-Defensive team, and the 2008 NBA Most Valuable Player. Widely regarded as one of the greatest basketball players of all time, he led the NBA in scoring two in scoring during two seasons, ranks fourth on the league's all-time regular season scoring, and ranks fourth on the all-time postseason scoring list. Bryant was the first guard in NBA history to play at least 20 seasons. I know nothing bad about this man. I, I don't know what kind of controversies he had during his life, but hopefully he gained his individuality. Sees Jesus. Gives him a warm hug. Well, thank you for listening to these first 30 minutes. Let's do a little 10-minute breathing exercise and meditation. And then let's call it a day. And I'm going to get back to my reading and focusing. Take a deep breath in. From the bottom of your feet to the top of your head. And exhale. Do it with me. Hold it for a second. And exhale. Take another deep breath in from the bottom of your feet. All the way. Negative energy out. Positive energy in. Feel your feet becoming heavier. Just relax your feet and your calves. Relaxing. Letting all the stress go away. All the anxiety. All the worry. Just read a <clears throat> positive affirmation that every choice that you make is the right choice. Going deeper, relax. Every choice you make is the right choice. Going deeper and deeper, deeper. 20. Down the staircase with 20 steps, relaxing each step and each step. Downwards and downwards, 20, 19, 18, 17, deeper and deeper, more relaxed, 16, every choice you make is the right choice, 16, 15, 14, just thinking of something positive, happy, more stable, 
ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, and deep sleep. Each time I say deep sleep, it's your permission. Go to this state or even deeper. Make choices we regret. There's some things that we can fix, some things that we can't fix, but every choice is the right choice. Becoming more self-independent. Forgetting about the image and the beast. Making ourselves valuable by being happy. One time that you were really happy. Going back into our castle in our mind, taking a lever, you're in your mind and it has a beautiful building and you're in a room. There's numbers and switches and valves all over the place, and you crank that happiness up. You crank that particular pro. You crank that individuality up. You crank that happiness up. Crank. You do what you want. There are no mistakes. Take a deep breath in. And relax. Every choice that you make is the right choice. We do the best that we can. We can't regret. Looking back upon all our mistakes, we know that we did the best thing we can. Hindsight in 2020. It's easier than it is in the now. Deep breath in. Hold it. Get all that negative energy into your lungs. Get it up. Get all that negative energy into the breath that you're going to exhale and hold it. Get all that energy into the breath in. Exhale. Pull up a cocoon. Vibration. Your vibration energy is a bubble. Imagine this bubble. What color is it? See through. Same. It protects you. Radiating. Keeping your vibrations in the bubble can radiate your happiness. Think of a happy thought. Make that thought bright and brilliant. Take that thought. Make it in a movie and play it backwards. Play it forwards. Now think of a negative thought. Make it black and white and smaller. Smaller and smaller. Black and white and smaller, that negative thought. Happy thought. You put in your theater of your mind a happy thought and let that radiate into your space protected by your bubble. 
Well, I guess that's it for today. It's kind of short today. I don't know because I didn't have any interviews or anything like that. And I personally, I didn't even want to do it today. But I need to keep going because this work is important. It helps me, helps you, helps everybody. Please share my um, this podcast. Um, I'd really appreciate it. I'm trying to get up uh, the numbers up. Um, I really need that and. Let me know. Go there. Go to immortalself.org and leave a message. Say hi. And let me answer a question. Anything you heard about the Bible I know pretty well. And anything you want me to research in any other religion. So you can do that. And you can also subscribe for a dollar or more. Um, that would just definitely help. I pray that we can all come closer to a higher self today be in line and keep having progress have a nice day guys